Amen. All right, thanks, singers. That was just awesome. Great song. All right, well, morning, church. My name is Tim Reese. I, I'm not your regularly scheduled preacher. Okay? I am, uh, I'm not tall like the main guy. I don't have the cool tattoos like that other guy. I don't even have the Latin thing going on like, uh, like Raul here. But uh, to make up for my lack of stature and, uh, and style, I'm going to be having my wife Deanna come up here in a minute, and she'll make up for all that. That would be great. We're going to be in uh, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, if you want to turn there now. <clears throat> and a lot of you, if you've been around a while, even before you get to this, to this passage in your Bible, just you'll hear... Uh, well, it's been te- telegraphed all morning, but I- even if it hadn't been, you're like, oh yeah, Ephesians 5, 21, that's the marriage thing, right? And uh, you know, if, if, if you've ever, ever been to a, a marriage retreat or if you've ever been counseled on your marriage, uh, you've had this passage uh, inflicted upon you uh, several times <laughs> and hopefully with, with, with great effect. Um, it is a great marriage passage. Um, it's, it's a lot like uh, there's passages in Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3, that also illustrate some great marriage uh, instruction as well. But interestingly, in Ephesians 5, and we're going to read it in a second, but you'll notice that it points to something even more than marriage. You know, Paul refers to it as uh, the profound mystery of Christ in the church. And the reason I preface with this is that you know, if you're not married, if you're a teen or if you're single or you're otherwise unaffiliated... Um, <laughs> You know, this is not going to be just a marriage lesson, all right? So I don't want anybody to get discouraged. Don't fear that I'm going to ask you to go off into some dark, cold room in the back for another lesson on purity. Um, We're all going to stay here, uh, and and we're going to read this passage, and we're all going to be edified by it prayerfully, right? Um, So uh, I'll read the passage, but before I do, if you'll permit me to pray. Come on. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this morning, this beautiful day. Uh, your, your awesome creation and the way you control it so well, God. I thank you for the incredible service we've had up until now. And I pray for the rest of the service, God, most often, most, most of all, God, I pray that uh, it's pleasing to you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let's go ahead and start in verse 21. I'll just read Ephesians 5. It says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way... Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so we'll just kind of jump right in. My first point is the call to submit. Um, not very creative or original, I'm sorry. Um, you might also notice that I don't have any slides with me today. 
But, but if, if it would make everyone feel more comfortable, uh, it, I, it, I can pause maybe every three or four minutes and shuffle my papers around, and you can pretend that it's me trying to get my slides to reconnect. If, if, the, fami if the familiarity would, would make you feel better, I can do that. Just let me know. See, if I burn all the bridges up front, I have no choice but to do well, right? Ed, Ed's closing. <laughs> do you have slides for your closing? Sorry. All right, so the call to submit. Look, if you, if you uh, read Ephesians 5, you read what we just read, and you mention the word submission, all the, all the husbands... Are like, yes, I get submission. I know all about submission. My wife is supposed to submit to me in everything. Uh, preach on that hard. Uh, uh, help her with that. You have my total endorsement. Um, let me know when you're ready to talk about the next thing that I need to listen to, right? Um, but, you know, if, if you look at just the text we read, three of the first four verses deal with submission. Uh, verse 21 says we are to submit to one another. Uh, in reverence for Christ, verse 24 references Christ. Uh, excuse me, the church submitting to Christ, and then of course, verse 22, the one where we, we most often think of wives are to submit to their husbands, following the the example of the church um, submitting to Christ. And submission is a huge theme in the New Testament. If you read it with open eyes, um, we don't have to turn there, but if you go to uh, Hebrews 13, 17, you'll, you'll read that we are to submit to our leaders, and that, that's within the context of the church. Um, lest our leaders uh, feel left out, you can go over to 1 Timothy 5, verse 20, where Paul gives very explicit instructions on how to bring an elder into submission who falls into sin. It says, if an elder is sinning, uh, reprove him in front of uh, everyone so that others can be warned, right? So the church, we submit to our leaders, our leaders submit to the church. If you look at Romans uh, 13.1, Titus 3.1, 1 Peter 2.13, we're told that we are to submit to the governing authorities, whoever they may be, right? Um, Jesus hits on this in Matthew 5, in verse 41. He says, if, if a man asks you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Uh, that's probably a reference to the, the practice of the Roman occupiers. If a Roman soldier is going about his day and uh, needs some help or maybe just doesn't want to do his job, he can just... Uh, grab one of uh, his, uh, the subjects of the country that they're occupying and say, hey, I know you had plans for the day, but you're going to move these rocks for me instead, right? Think Simon of Cyrene, going through Jerusalem, minding his own business, gets grabbed to carry a cross. That's what we're talking about here. Jesus says, don't just do what you're told, do extra, right? Um, those are some obvious ones, but the, the New Testament has some less obvious uh, calls to submit for us that I think are important to look at. In Matthew 17, great story of Jesus and Peter. They're having this discussion about paying the temple tax, right? And Jesus says to Peter, hey, Peter, who do the kings of this world collect taxes from? From their own sons or from others? And Peter says, well, from others. And, and Jesus says, right, so the sons are exempt. And that could have been the end of the story. The point's made, right? Uh, kings don't collect taxes from their sons. Jesus, the Son of God, should not have to pay tax to God's temple, right? But Jesus doesn't stop there. What does he do? He says, so as not to cause offense, let's go ahead and make arrangements to get this tax paid, right? doesn't seem like he used his own money to pay the taxes, so we can talk about that later. But at any rate, he, 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 so he, he submitted his rights, 
as the son and, and paid taxes. Another passage that, that I really like is in, in, in 1 Corinthians 8. Uh, Paul is talking about this idea of, of eating meat sacrificed to idols. And, and he, he points out, hey, you know, I have faith. Idols mean nothing to me. Uh, uh, eating, not eating, it's not that big of a deal. But, but, then he, but again, just like Jesus, he doesn't stop there. And he says, but if eating meat is going to cause my brother of, of weaker faith to stumble or to struggle or to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again. Right? He says, essentially, I will, I will take my faith-enabled freedom and put it to the side wow. for the sake of my brother, who's of weaker faith, not of stronger faith, of weaker faith. Right? You know, everybody submits. If you're going to say that you're following Christ, you know, submission is the action end of humility. You know, I don't know about the sisters, but, but we brothers, we love to get together and disciple each other. And we love to throw out pride. You know, I, I'm prideful. I, I got to work on humility. My pride is uh, hurting my marriage. It's hurting me in the workplace. And, and we come up with these uh, uh, contemplative uh, action plans. I'm going to study out humility. I'm going to find every proverb that condemns pride, and I'm going to I'm going to memorize it, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to meditate on how my pride hurts Jesus. But you know what? You could do if you really wanted to go after your pride. If you really wanted to get this humility, you could just look for and practice submission. You know, there's no shortage of opportunities. To put others before yourself. Wow. There's no shortage of opportunities to consider other people's interests more important than your own. Right? And in terms of marriage, you can start queuing up now if you want, honey. Um, in terms of marriage, uh, you know, yes, husbands, it is uh, the call to, to our wives to submit that in, within the context of that relationship. You know, we have to... We have to take some responsibility for the environment that, that gets created in our marriage. You know, we, we won't turn there, but in, I mentioned 1 Peter 3 earlier. In verses 1 through 6 there, Peter gives some very similar instructions on marriage. And actually comes right out and says in the beginning that wives should submit to their husbands, just like Paul does in our text today. But the last verse, he, as he's talking to the wives, he says, he encourages them to do what is right and not give in to fear. Right now, what, what does fear have to do with, with my wife submitting or not? And, and what does fear have to, her fear have to do with me? Right? So, you know, I know I can just tell you from experience that I get a lot more submission um, when I have, have a, 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 a submissive heart of, of my own to Christ. You know, when my wife sees me living out my discipleship. She sees me in my Bible. She sees me in prayer. She sees me submitting to the men in my life that are giving me advice. Um, when, when she gets to live in a home that's free of anger, uh, when she gets to look uh, at, at the head of the family, uh, acting, some, acting as somebody who's not selfish, uh, apathetic, uh, self-centered, irresponsible, Right uh, with the family's resources, that all fosters an environment in which it makes it, it makes it easy for my wife to submit and for my son to obey, for that matter. Now they're not let off the hook for their for the commands given to them by the scriptures. But why would I, as a husband or a father, for that matter, want to unnecessarily put stumbling blocks uh, in, in front of my wife uh, or anyone else in my family? 
No, Deanna's going to share. So, thank you. Good morning. Um, you guys are so encouraging, and I really appreciate that. And, and you know, this is a neat opportunity. Um, but I did have to wonder why when Ed asked for Tim to join me, because many of you know me over the years, and you probably wouldn't say, Deanna's, she's got submission, right? So uh, I even asked um, some of my friends to rate me on a scale of 1 to 10, and I, didn't, I did not get a high score. I won't tell you what it is, but it wasn't high. It was right about what I thought it was, but, um, you know, amen, so I knew, I know, I'm not, uh, I I have lots of room to grow, Um, but I really appreciate um, God and his graciousness and his kingdom that he doesn't call us to be um, perfect without him, right? Perfect with him, but not perfect without him, and and I'm really grateful uh, to Ed. I think some of the leaders in our Wisdom say, you know, if people need to work on something, we'll have them talk on that or give a lesson on that, right? So, amen. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate that. And and the truth is, you know, I have grown a lot in this area. You know, Nate's been around the whole time, so he's probably the one that can tell you the best. But um, I would have gotten a one when we first came here. And... Um, I don't have any inclination, any natural inclination or even desire to submit, or at least I didn't, right? But, but when I came here, you know, like Bill shared, I wanted a relationship with God. And I even told you I had one, but how can I say I have a relationship with God, but I don't want to do the things that he wants me to do or that he commands me to do, right? And so, um, you know, so I, I, I really have, uh, I've really... You know, amen, God did put me in a Bible talk with one of the most submissive women I know. And so I got to watch that example every week, several times a week at church, right? And, and it's still, you know, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I really learn more from people doing and showing than telling. Probably because I'm a little defiant, and if you tell me, I don't want to do it, right? But... Um, <laughs> But, but I think also it's that example. You know, when I see you do it, I know it's possible, right? And, and so I would encourage all of you, you know, that it is possible. You know, I, I went from a one to, you know, something higher. I'll tell you. I got, I got like from a five to an eight. And I think, you know, the eight was probably because they were really gracious and nice. But um <laughs> But it was, what was interesting, too, to me, and I, and I love this opportunity to grow, is, is a couple of the ladies said, you know, your actions are there. You do it. But your heart, sometimes I know your heart's not in it, right? And I think it's interesting because Jeff's lesson a couple of weeks ago um, talked about slaves and, and them being submissive, right? And it, and it says there that, I don't want to get this wrong, so give me a second. Come on, Deanna. It said... That, well, I'm not going to find it. Something about wholeheartedly, right? Wholeheartedly and, um, you know, to be submissive wholeheartedly. And I'm like, that's not where I am. And I want to be, right? I want that kind of relationship with God that gives me those promises, right? Um, 
You know, and, and like Tim said, the authority that we're under, and, and Jeff said this about the grocery store and the manager sitting upstairs and saying, I saw you sit down, right? But he's sitting down. The authority doesn't have to be fair. He doesn't even have to be reasonable. Now, Tim is very reasonable and fair, I have to tell you. Um, every once in a while he slips up, but... Um, <laughs> But that's not a condition for me, right? I have to, I have to obey God. I have to want to obey God. Um, I think it's interesting that I, I can even, like, if I'm asked to do something I don't want to do, or even something I don't mind doing, but because I'm asked to do it, I don't know about you guys, I, I can actually get a reaction, like a physical feeling inside, like, right? You, 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 feel, you know that? Yeah. And um, fear is the problem. Um, just tap me if, I, if I'm going long. Okay. So fear is the problem, right? Fear that if I submit, then I don't have any say in what happens to me, right? And that's really scary. From somebody who came from, like, a broken home where it wasn't always great and there was some, you know, bad things that happened, you know, submission is really scary for me. But I have to remember that faith is the answer, Right? Because God, God gives me everything I need. Right? That God put me in this marriage. Um, be, you know, the, 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 the scriptures say that he put us together. Right? In Mark 10 and Matthew 19. And so if he calls me to submit and he puts me in this marriage, then he must know what he's doing. Right? Because he does give good gifts. It also says that. Right? And um, I, I don't know about you guys but that have been married a while or even maybe more than a month, but, you know, when you got married, your husband or your wife was an awesome gift. Like, oh, thank you, God. Right? But think about when the last time, you maybe even this morning, like getting ready for church and things weren't going so well, you know, did you thank God? Did you feel like your husband was a good gift? Right? Just saying. <laughs> So, you know, this is hard. It is really hard for me. I wish it wasn't. Um, it still is. When, when, I, when I examine my life against the scripture, it still cuts. And amen, I'm glad it does. Because if it didn't cut, then I wouldn't care. And I would act whatever way I wanted. And my marriage would reflect that. And I feel like I have a great marriage. You know, I, and it is not perfect. And we were fighting in front of the thrones two weeks ago. And, you know, amen. It, it, amen that we can do that, right? I love it. I love it. Because we get the help we need, right? We get reminded that, you know what? You guys are created in the image of God. You know, you have everything you need for righteous living. And so just do it, right? That's what Tim's saying. Just do it. Um, so I think Tim already shared about things that the husband can do, but I would really encourage you, you know, if you, if the people around you aren't submitting to you, you know, one, check your heart, make sure you're being not exasperating or you're being submissive and loving, but you know, he can really do some things that, that help me a lot. And, and that is, you know, when, when we're struggling, when we pray, because then I know that he is in Christ. And if he's in Christ, then we're in Christ, right? And, and so, I, you know, husbands, pray with your wives. Kids, pray with your parents. Be the initiator, right? No one, unless you've got a really hard heart and having a hard time, which you probably needed even more, no one says, you know what, I don't really want to pray with you. 
Everyone loves to go to God together, right? That's why we're here together. So I still work on it every day. And the scripture says I'm to submit in everything, right? Everything. That is amazing to me, right? But, but, But in 2 Peter 1, it says that I already have everything to be able to do everything. So... Um, just keep praying for me and us. Thank you. you know, the great thing about fighting with your wife is you get these, occasionally if you have a really good fight, you get these memorable quotes that, that you just remember <laughs> for the rest of your life. You know? She said to me the other day, she said, <laughs> she said, she said, you might win, but you're not going to get what you want. And I'm like, that's such a heroic, it's like, like, you know, like when you're watching the action movies and, and the, the villain and the hero are fighting and it, it looks like the hero is going to lose. And he says, you might defeat me, but you'll never get away with it. That's what it was like. It was awesome. Awesome. I always, I always remind her of that. That's just so great. But second point, the call to love. Come on. All right. It says here, give me a second to get my... Um, you can't whisper in my ear, though. That, that would be very distracting. Um, the call to love. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Right? Now, now, how did he love the church? Right? And so it says that he gave himself up for her. Right? Now, we, we're, we're Christians. We go to church. We read the Bible. So we could talk all day, all night, about the different things and and great examples of what Jesus did in giving himself up for the church. You know, a great illustration uh, of it that that is sort of a summation, I I was going to read it, but I'm not, because Raul already hit on it wonderfully in the communion, but in Philippians 2, um, there's this poetic rendering of Jesus' life that, that Raul read to us about how he did not consider uh, equality with God something to be grasped, and he, he, he became uh, uh, human and, and, and ultimately was obedient to death on a cross. That's sort of a great, very brief, but end-to-end rendering uh, of Jesus' uh, life and what he did for us. And of course, it did culminate in death, right? Um, but you know, I, I, I'd like to just touch on some of the words and, and some of the phrases that, that came along before his death uh, in his life here on the earth. It said, I'm reading from the NIV, it said he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Right? He, he, he had it, but he chose not to, to use it, right? He, he made himself nothing. I mean, how did, can you even, I don't even know how to get my mind completely around that. that that's powerful, right? Um, he, uh, he humbled himself. Uh, he took on the very nature of, of, a, of a servant. He, he became obedient to death. You know, teens, you think it's hard to be obedient to your parents. Try being obedient to death. You think death would be more reasonable and easier to talk to than, than your dad? No. Um, but you know, if, if you look at these passages, if you look at these words that are used, yes, this was an amazing act of love. But, but it was also chock full of examples of submission. If you read those words, it's, it's, it's hard to separate the two. You know, giving yourself up uh, is a high calling, but it says that husbands are supposed to love their wives in this way. And, and, and I think it's also already been touched on today, um, but the passage that comes to my mind in 1 John 
it, it expands this concept to not just husbands and wives, but to all of us, where it says, you know, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This, this idea of laying down our lives uh, as, a, as, a, as an act of love expands uh, to, to all of us as disciples. But, you know, I'm not so sure it does me a lot of good to contemplate and spend too much time meditating on, well, would I die for my wife? Or, or, or would I die for, for one of you? And would you die for me? And I, I think the answers to that are true, or yes, I would. Um, but practically speaking, what's it doing for me today? It's kind of like saying, you know, if I win the lottery, if I could tell Ed, if I win the lottery, Ed, I'm going to pay off the mortgage on the church building, and I'm going to buy us a new building out there in the south where we're trying to plant, right? That's essentially a true statement. I would do that. But I don't play the lottery. <laughs> so, so it's a pointless mental exercise, right? And likewise, if I'm spending all my time getting my head wrapped around my valiant death for the sake of my wife or, or one of you, but I'm neglecting what's right in front of me, what good is that? What, what profit is that, right? You know, Deanna likes to talk in the mornings, right? And, and I don't. I, I like to have my quiet time. I like for everybody else to have their quiet time, or at least be quiet. Um, and, then, and then I want to get on with the day, right? That's how I'm wired. That works for me. You know, but, but and so, 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 you know, you think, well, Tim, you should, come on, you should be loving to your wife. Talk, she needs to talk. Take two minutes. Talk to your wife, or at least listen. And, uh, you know, but when you, when you, if, if my head is always in the clouds thinking about, you know, I can't wait for the opportunity to take a bullet from my wife, you know, <laughs> and, and when I look at something like, you know, just submitting a moment of my time to talk to her, they're so far apart in comparison. It's like, well, that's, there's nothing. Jesus dying on the cross, me talking to my wife, right? Silly to compare. But the trick is, the problem is that because they're so far apart, I completely, completely neglect the, the moment of talking, right? And go about my day thinking I'm a man of God. You know, what hypocrisy, right? What, what, uh, what lies, right? You know, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't live a life of arrogance and indifference and uh, self-centeredness and then die on the cross and it became all okay. You know, his entire life was a laying himself down and giving himself up. You know, that is our calling as husbands and it's our calling as disciples, yeah. Amen. One thing that helps me, you know, to solutions to the problem is identifying the problem in the first place, right? So, you know, Tim talked about lofty thinking, and, you know, I think that it's interesting thinking about how much I'm willing to sacrifice rather than actually doing what's in front of me to do. I wonder sometimes if it's Satan, you know, like, is he the problem? I mean, I'm, I think he might be, right? Because I think he likes to distract me. Right from from doing what's right, and I and I I hate to even think about Satan, but you know the Bible talks about him, and, and I think realizing that there is a problem out there, right, or you know a lion prowling around to get me, you know that kn knowing that problem helps me overcome that problem, you know, and I don't like to think about being used by Satan in what I do, but you know Peter was accused of being Satan, right, with Jesus, and so if Peter the Rock can have that happen to him. 
you know, I think I've got to watch out. I don't think I'm immune to any of that. So, um, you know, I, I think I talked a little bit earlier about the heart, and, and I just want to close up with one thing that I read this morning that, it's, you know, is really touching. And um, it said, you will get through this day one way or the other. It's from a, a devotional. One way is to moan and groan, stumble along with shuffling feet. This will get you to the end of the day eventually, but there is a better way. You can choose to walk with me along the path of peace, leaning on me as much as you need. There will still be difficulties along the way, but you can face them confidently in my strength. Thank me for each problem you encounter and watch to see how I transform it into blessings. So if you're struggling with submission, thank him for each opportunity that you encounter to be submissive and to love and just do it. So thanks for letting me share. All right. I got till noon, right? <laughs> now we're going we're gonna to wrap up here. Uh, final point. Christ and the church. Okay. It says that, uh, we, I talked about it a minute ago, but, but Jesus gave himself up for the church, right? Who, who is this church that he gave himself up for? Or, or who was the church, right, at, at the time, uh, historically speaking? I, I suppose we could look to the apostles as the seed of what would become the church. You know, Deanna mentioned Peter, uh, the rock upon which the church would be built. How did he perform? On the day, the night that Jesus was taken away, well, we, we all know Jesus, it, it's picking on Peter is so easy, right? So, um, but you know, Peter he, he denied Jesus. We all know that, right? You look at Judas. We, we typically write Judas off, but he was an apostle. How did he do? Well, he betrayed, right? The others, by and large, just abandoned him. So, not a very encouraging bride, right? Not, not really the type of church that you're gung-ho to go out and, and, and sacrifice yourself for. But when, we, when we look at ourselves here today, and we're honest with ourselves, we have to, be, we have, we have to admit that we're not always the most encouraging uh, uh, group of individuals either. You know? uh, there are times when we deny or abandon and, and maybe even betray uh, Jesus um, in our own way. But, but let's take a look at what our, our text today in Ephesians 5 says about the church. And I'm just going to pick up in verse 27 in the NIV, which is kind of mid-sentence, but talking about the church, it says, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, that's how our text describes the church. You know, when we first started studying Ephesians, we, uh, in, in chapter 1, we had to get our mind around these, these adjectives. Uh, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, chosen. And, and, and we were challenged to, 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 to understand that that's who we are in Christ. Even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't look like it, you know, even, even when we don't act like it, sadly. That's who we are if we're in Christ. And in the same way... These words like radiant and holy and blameless, you know, that's, that's what the church is to be, right? And, but the question is, do you see the church as radiant and holy and blameless? Or are you too busy looking at the wrinkles and the stains and the blemishes? You know, there are, there are no shortage there is no shortage, rather, of, of, of wrinkles and blemishes if that's what you want to see 
uh, here in the church. You know, maybe maybe somebody said something to you uh, the other day uh, and and you didn't like the way, didn't like the way they said it, or maybe somebody gave you some unsolicited advice on your kids, uh, and, and that kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Or maybe, maybe you don't always agree with the way things are presented in the pulpit. Even though they're biblical, you just don't like the, the, the way it goes. Maybe you don't get edge jokes. Uh, you know, maybe you can't understand why you would ask uh, you know, a knucklehead like me to, 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 to be up here on a Sunday. You know, but the fact of the matter is, no matter how you choose to look at the church, Christ has chosen his bride. And he holds open for himself... No other options. All right, he's not the captain of the football team that shows up at prom with the cheerleader on his arm, and when she goes to get punched, his buddies come up and say, "Hey, is that your new girlfriend?" And he says, "Ah, eh, she's all right for now, until something better comes along." Right? Wow. That's not. That's how we are. That's not how Jesus is. All right. You know, um, he's chosen his bride. She is the only option. The body of Christ. You know, uh, what am I? What am I suggesting here? Am I suggesting blind devotion to a church? Well, no, of course not. You know, when there is sin in the church, it must be dealt with. Otherwise, there won't be a church right. much longer, right? Just like if there's trouble in the marriage, if there's sin in the marriage, if there's dysfunction in the marriage, it should be dealt with, not ignored, right? Um, just like, you know, verse 29 of our text talks about how we care for our own bodies. If, if my leg is broken... I don't just keep walking on it. I get it fixed. I, I deal with the problem. I get the bone set. But it would be ridiculous to even suggest that I might say of my body, my own physical body, ah, what a defective body. The, the leg broke. I should have known. I had a feeling this was going to happen. You know, is there any way that I could trade this body in for, for one with a leg that won't break? Or, or better yet, is there a way for me to just get along without a body altogether? You know, just make it on my own somehow and whatever I would be without a body. That's ridiculous for me to even talk about. You're laughing, but do we ever look at our marriages that way? You know, I, I, dare I say, you know, I wonder if I had chosen differently. Or I wonder if something else were to happen. Or if something, you know, is there any way to fix this? Would it be better just to cash it in. God forbid. That's not what our text calls us to do, right? We're one flesh, right? And likewise, I think, we can have that attitude towards the body of Christ. You know, our individuality really creeps in to our walk with God sometimes and, and skews the way we see ourselves, uh, in the body as a member, not like the member of a country club or a golf club, that, you know, but a but a vital member like 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 a finger. Right. You know, we, we have scriptures on that. There's nothing wrong with individuality. But when it turns into self-centeredness, when it turns into this sort of a every man for himself kind of mentality, it just destroys uh, who we are supposed to be spiritually. Yeah. And sometimes I think we even spiritualize it to make it look. To make it palatable for ourselves. And of course I think we do it unconsciously. You know, for instance, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to offend anybody. Because I think we've all had this thought. But we think, I'm going to do great things for God. Right now, like I said, I think everybody thinks that at one time or another. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what, what do you got to do with it? Right? I mean, we are, we are a member of a body. We serve. Right? Or we say, 
where we say, God, make a way for me to utilize my unique talents and interests so that I can bring others to Christ and serve you in a very enjoyable and comfortable way that suits me, right? As if God is some sort of an employment counselor, right? Uh, but you know, Ephesians 2.10 says the works were created in advance. You know, the work is here. There's nothing wrong with dreaming, right? There's nothing wrong with having spiritual ambition. But, but, but God forbid that while you're dreaming, you're failing to hear the cries of our children's ministry coordinators begging you, and they literally beg us every quarter to come serve your time in children's ministry, taking care of your kids, no less. Right? And that's just one example. Right? There are countless examples to live out our roles um, in, the, uh, in the body of Christ. But I think sometimes... We treat God and our walk with him like the income tax. Somebody mentioned, man, there's, there's, you guys all stole my stuff. Uh, and, and, you know. But you know, C.S. Lewis gives this illustration about you know, we look at God and we look at service in the kingdom like the income tax. We understand the income tax. We understand why we pay it. We understand we have to pay it. We obediently pay it. But all the while, we take great pains to ensure that we don't pay one penny more than we have to. We even pay people to help us not pay, right? Um, and, 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 and we think to ourselves, please, God, don't let them raise the income tax. Then I would have to pay even more. And I hope that when I'm done paying my taxes that I have enough left over for me, for me, for my vacation, for my whatever, right? Now, that's a, that's a perfectly appropriate way to look at the income taxes, by the way. Um, but when we bring that attitude into our service to God, right, and we ask, well, how much do I need to give? You know, how much do I need to reach out, right? That's not how God treats us, right? What did Jesus give us? Everything. You know, what, what does he expect? He expects everything. How much do I need to love my wife to the point of giving myself up? You know, there's no half measures. In what ways must my wife submit to me in everything? Right? That's, how, that's how Jesus rolls, right? It's, it's, it's an all-in thing. You know, whether we are called to be a loving husband, a submissive wife, an obedient child, a dutiful employee, a humble servant in the body of Christ, you know, now is the time to answer that call. You know, when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and to serve God in uncomfortable and perhaps unimpressive ways. He's not calling us to drudgery. Um, he's calling us to freedom. He's calling us to an abundant life. He's calling us to an easy yoke and a light burden. Right? This week, let us answer that call. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tim Dion. That was really, really terrific.